Ladies and gentlemen, the Council Boys are back for a brand new episode, but it's a new side quest episode because AD unfortunately cannot be with us at the moment, but I am joined with the homie, by the homie, Mikey B. Tony Hawk is 52 years old. Didn't he just recently try to do like the 900 again too or something? Or he was, oh, that was like a, a video game. <laughs> Never mind, scratch that. Well, virtual Tony Hawk <laughs> is still doing 900. It'll be interesting to see if, you know, real Tony Hawk could still do a 900. That would be pretty impressive. If he, if he still got it, which we will talk about that a little bit later, but in traditional gaming council fashion, let's talk about what we played over the past week or so. Sure. Mickey B, you want to start us yep. off? So the f- two games. The first game I've been playing, I finally finished up my super mega baseball season. I won the championship. Nice. It was very exciting times for me. Yeah. And at least, it, uh, it was really good. Uh, the playoffs are super fun to play in. I felt like the AI in the game started after you, like, you play these teams over like multiple games in a row in a series. Like the AI starts to improve and adapt and knows your tendencies. So after a while, like I couldn't throw a fastball as much as I used to because they were like, they were, uh, they were, uh, they were knowing I was going to throw a fastball. So I thought that was really clever of the AI to do that. They also started with hitting. They started to move the with hitting on my end. They started to pitch more outside, more inside, versus outside. So that was kind of cool. So I liked how the uh, the game was starting to adapt, or it seemed like it was starting to adapt to my play style as I was playing more games into the series. They finally figured yeah. you out. I had a real struggle, man. I had to go to game seven in one of these series. <laughs> I had to go to game seven. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh man, my season's going to be a disaster. I thought it was going to be like the Miami Heat the first season. They're going to get like they're going. True. I was like, oh man, I'm the best team in the game, 39 to nine, and I'm going to get I'm going to get I'm going to get bounced in the second round of the playoffs. But I was able to come through and win. So. Get beat by the number eight seed. Was, nice, yeah. dude. Dude, speaking of uh, Super Mega Baseball, I found it in my Xbox. Cool. Nice. So I think I'm gonna. You brought it up, and I also enjoyed the game too. So I think I'm going to give that a re-download and. Uh, Try to see, take my stab at the season and try it again. Right. And I think that tees up my second game I was playing where I felt like super mega baseball because you're able to adjust everything from hitting the pitching to fielding to running. Like you could find that, like that fine tune balance to find like an enjoyable challenge, which I think I enjoy as, you know, playing video games. But which leads me to another game I've been playing a lot of, which I've talked about a few times, which is Moonlighter which is the game where at night you go to these dungeons and raid and whatever loot, loot you cannot collect, you get to sell during your shop during the day. But I've hit a wall, a very uh, hit the difficulty wall where uh, it's becoming less and less, less and less fun. I know this game's a roguelike, so if you're not familiar with the roguelike is once you, anything you have, collected during the dungeon if you die you lose mm-hmm. and also with these dungeons these dungeons are three levels so if you don't complete the dungeon in one fell swoop you have to you have to start over from scratch oh no so there are some like loopholes you could do <laughs> like you could use like a teleport which costs money and then like it'll teleport you back to like last spots you, you could kind of game it a little bit but it's still all or nothing you still have to like beat the uh, boss with and if you don't beat the boss you get you get slammed back down to like the first level of the dungeon 
and yeah, I've, I've, I've kind of at that point where like, like I understand this game is supposed to be a roguelike and supposed to be, you know, challenging and through the challenges you're supposed to enjoy the experience and so on and so forth. But I'm at this point where the challenge is not that fun, which kind of leads me <laughs> to a question I wanted to ask you is like, at what point does a game become too challenging that like you just have to say, I got to bounce. Like this game isn't for me anymore. Like I've, I've enjoyed my time. I think it's a really good game, but the challenge of this game is, it's just too frustrating. Like I said, when I was playing this game, I was getting like serious. It seems so silly with what's going on in the world. But I was getting like mad anxiety. My palms were sweating <laughs> and I was like getting really nervous about trying to beat yeah. this boss. Cause I didn't want to like go back to the beginning. I was like, this is becoming like seriously a stressful experience, which isn't like the point of a video game. So I guess my question back to you is like, at what point does the challenge become too frustrating or too unsatisfying to you where you got to say, I got to bounce. Has that ever happened to you Did in the game? It has, man. But you saying that already sounds like a couple broken controllers. <laughs> like I feel like I would just... I would just grip them way too hard because I'd be so frustrated. But I don't... Some of the games have the option to kind of like tone it Mm -hmm. down. So like if... Let's say if I'm struggling for this, you know, this mission or whatever, I'll drop it down just to get past it because hopefully the rest of the game's not like that. But I don't know. I feel like I'd have to stop. Like I think the prime example that I can think of right now for that is Cuphead. Like... That game, I have not beat that game. I am on the last level, the last boss. I can't beat it, dude. There's, and it's incredibly frustrating. It's hard. It's a good challenge, but it's like, how many times do I want to keep doing this? And like, I know what's going on and it gets repetitive and I can't beat it and I just get mad and I give up. And like, I just stop. So I'd probably be like, I, I usually tend to do things in threes, so... I give it the good old three tries and you're mm-hmm. out. But if the third try, like I'll talk myself out of it. Like if the third try is like super close, I'll be like, all right, one more, one more, one more. But I'll try not to like that much. Or like if I, I'm trying to think of my last Cuphead experience was recently actually. And uh, I did it once, I failed and I turned it off. I was like, nope. Like I'm not wasting my energy on this today. Mm-hmm. So... It just, I guess, depends. Like, if it's, like, a, some little dumb little puzzle, like, I'll, I'll keep going. But, like, bosses and stuff, it's a couple tries and then I'll stop or tone it down. That's a good strategy. Kind of like a one and done. Like, hey, I'll try it one time for the day. If it works, it doesn't. If it does, that's great. But not, like, you know, spend your video game time and energy on a, on a task that, you know, you're probably not going to get through or it's just, like, mad frustrated so that's a good idea good dude i know me too so like i'll just the controller will just get like sweaty i'll just grip it way too hard and i'll just like i'll talk to the tv be like why is this so stupid (laughs) dude which leads me which kind of segues into like a nice little transition to what i've been playing i uh i still been playing grand theft auto nice and uh there's missions you can do to like export and import cars and those missions are so frustrating because the game 
becomes like every bad guy in the game, like the police, we well, are essentially the bad guy cause you're stealing stuff. But the police are like the best shooters. The gangs are like the best shooters in the game. And you could be, you know, on like a hundred miles per hour, you know, high speed chase. And then all of a sudden you get shot down by like a guy in a motorcycle and it's like incredibly frustrating. And like, <sighs> the controller has felt the grip strength and I don't think it likes it. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I'll just get super frustrated. But with that, like I know that mission is just like one and done. Like I just have to take this car that I stole and put it in the garage and sell it. And that's it. Like I don't have to do it like 40 times. I could do it 40 times for more money, but I'd rather do something else for cash, like rob the casino or something. So like, it gets super frustrating, but on the on the plus side of that, with GTA, what I'm doing at the moment is I'm trying to get a yacht. So, what's up? <laughs> I'm on a boat. <laughs> yeah, I've been grinding GTA because GTA, you know, has like double money sometimes, and double money is really working for the players this time. So, I'm trying to grind up and get this yacht and. I think once I get the yacht, dude, I think I'm going to slow down because I think I have everything for the most part that I want. And like the rest of it is just buying like extra cars and just getting money. But other than that, I don't really need anything else. And I think I'm going to play something else. And once you get a yacht, what's more, what more can a man want? You have, you own all the cars, you own all the boats, the yachts, the buildings. I wish, well you have, you can only get like a certain amount of like buildings oh, and I stuff see. and like properties. Like I have all the businesses, I have, you know, the apartments. Some of the cars are like whatever because like I have flying cars now. So like cars don't really matter that much because I can't fly them. So then helicopters, same thing goes because like I have the cars. They're easier to handle and, you know, they have weapons in it too. So I'll usually do that. To get back to uh, difficult games, do you feel if a game like... You brought up Cuphead. Do you and it, uh, I think Cuphead costs like twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. Do you feel when like and the game's really frustrating and you, you might not be sure if you're able to beat this final boss? Do you still feel that it was worth twenty dollars even if you don't complete the game? Do you feel like okay, I got twenty dollars, I played it, I really like the experience. I always could see what like the ending screen will be if I go to like YouTube or whatever. I felt like, okay, that was worthy of spending $20 and investing X amount of time. Oh yeah. It, the game was still fun overall. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't beat it, but you know, the time it took me to get to there was a blast and it was such a, you know, fun side scrolling game that it, you know, it was close to my heart and I really enjoyed it. So well worth the money, even though I haven't beat it yet. Nice. Oh yeah. Good. I was just wondering, cause I, cause I've been thinking about that with Moonlighter. Like I bought it on sale for, I think like under $15. I, you know, I've talked about it a lot. I really enjoyed it, but now I'm like at this point where like, Hmm, I might be at an impasse with this game where I might just be stuck on the third temple and that'll be my like moonlighter experience. And I was like, I'm, do I feel satisfied with that experience? Like only getting to 
50% of the main content of the game. Cause I obviously I always just run my shop forever and you know, rack up dollars mm -hmm. and stuff, but like the main content of the game of dungeons, I'm never gonna be able to get past that third dungeon. So all I could be able to do is just kind of like rotate around these three dungeons, which would still yeah. be pretty fun, but I can't like, might not be able to progress much further. So I was wanting to just, I'm kind of wondering to myself, do I feel satisfied with the experience? And I think cut and overall, like, oh, yeah, overall, I think I do. But it's just, it's just this weird experience with video games, like where to feel satisfied with the game experience, like, do I need to complete the game or does, or is more like just playing the game is a satisfying experience? Yeah. I was going to say, what do you define as like your experience? Cause I'm like, I'm trying to think right now, I think Cuphead is the only game that I've actually had difficulty beating. Mm -hmm. And the other games that I like, the first game that came to mind was Kingdom Hearts. The game's not hard, but like, is it me just not being fully into the game and like moving on to another game? And like, I don't think it was worth my money sort of thing, mm -hmm. you know? So like, it all depends. Cause like I said, like I'll play Cuphead and like that's $20 and that was fun and it was challenging and I can't beat it and I'm still satisfied, but I spent the 20 on Kingdom Hearts and I never played any more than like what a couple hours worth. So I don't know. I guess it's just like if it's challenging and fun, then I'll probably enjoy it. But Kingdom Hearts just wasn't my thing. So then, do you feel that Kingdom Hearts Kingdom Hearts was like a waste of your twenty bucks? Kind of. Yeah. Just because it wasn't like yeah, it wasn't what I thought it would be, and I just I think at the time I had other games that just had a little heavier you know preference in my mind to play so because i think i got monster hunter at the same time and it was around the time uh iceborne was getting released and i was like super hyped with that and i don't know kingdom hearts kind of just it was fun for like a little bit but they didn't like grab you as much as cuphead or monster hunter. <laughs> yeah no i understand that feat i understand that like it's just, I need more violence in my games. <laughs> <laughs> no, it makes it makes sense. Like the other game I think about is uh, Luigi's Mansion, which is a game like we both like a lot. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I pay the sixty dollars. I'm perfectly happy with it, and I think I just something happened. Like I think I w went on to another game, and I'm still st not like I was stuck. But I'm like I think the last stage I was playing was uh, when you're in the pyramids. Mm -hmm. which is you know pretty further into the game and I feel like and I wonder like will I ever go back and fi like finally finish Luigi's Mansion or was like my two months was like my experience I really enjoyed it I would 100% like recommend that game to anybody and like is that like is that it will that be it you know what man that's a pretty that's a solid solid example because I feel like I went through the same thing because I think when I was playing Luigi's Mansion, like I loved it and I had a blast and I can remember, you know, playing the game for hours. And then I think that was around the time you let me borrow Link's Awakening and then I transferred to Link. And that game was also super fun too. But the fact that I didn't beat Luigi's Mansion, I think the game was just overall really fun. And I knew people were like, praising it that made me go back to it i think that's also the same thing with cuphead too a lot of people said that it's a really great game and maybe that's why i kind of still keep it 
close to, you know, to try to beat it. But I don't know. I'm just, now that this is a good question, dude. I'm trying to think. Like, what's really keeping me from enjoying that game, even though I can't beat it, and it's like super hard. Maybe it's interesting. Yeah, maybe it's just the challenge in the game that keeps you back. Maybe it's like those, like you're saying, like on your third run, like when you get like really, really close, you're like two hits away. You think to yourself, okay, maybe next time I'll get her. Maybe like every time you play it, maybe you, you, you learn new strategies and such. Yeah, I think that's something. Yeah, cool. Cause that's what I'm trying to figure out with like, with like Moonlighter is like, can I take like a more or less, a less like intense approach? Like maybe I could do it like, okay, once a week I'll boot up Moonlighter, give it like a run or two, see what I could do. Cause I have like, you have, different weapons like you have a bow and arrow you have a big sword you have kind of like a spear so maybe like with different weapon combinations i could get a little bit closer so maybe i could, I could figure out like a new strategy to get it so maybe mm. it'll just become a game that i play like once a week or maybe once every two weeks just to kind of get a run and see like how far i could get into it and then like bounce instead of which instead of night right now it's kind of like currently like my like my one of my main two games i play so maybe if i kind of mm. like drop it back to like a casual game I could, you know, still get that enjoyment out of it, which I've had up and since this little bump mountain, I'll call it, of challenge that I've been facing. Yeah, that's a that's. A, I would love to hear what Albert has to say about that too. It's like, what really brings you back to a game that you can't finish, or like something preventing you from playing it again. Mm-hmm. Like, what brings you back? Because like I'm trying to think of other games that like I've played that just casually come back and I'm like, oh, I want to play that again. Like, what is it in those games that you know works so well? Well, how many games have you played more than once? Like, cause that's like a good barometer of a game that brings you back. If it's like a game that you you start, you you beat, and then like kind of a year later, six months later, you go back and play it again. Are those are there a lot of games in your his, gaming history that uh, brings that to bring 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 to mind? No. Oh, really? So you're not. So you're. So even if a game you truly enjoy, once like you beat it, beat it, whatever that may mean, like you're 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 satisfied. <laughs> you know what, dude? Like, oh man, it's gonna make me sound like such a goof. The only game that I've really like beat and kind of went back to do more stuff was. Uh, I think it was Lego Batman. Okay. Because for some reason, like, I really liked that game. And I beat it. And then once you beat it, you get all the characters and stuff. And you can open up, like, more doors. And then I think I went back to, like, 100% that game. But after that, dude, I think I've... I think I have a lot of bottleneck with games where I haven't beat a lot of them recently. The last two games I beat were Luigi's Mansion and... uh, Link's Awakening so and like you can do more stuff in Luigi's Mansion but I haven't gone back to it or yeah like Mario Rabbids too I haven't done that I think I went back and did like one or two things in that game but never to replay the whole story sure there's like the challenge missions and such yeah kind of like a one and done I guess interesting it is which is a perfect segue because it brings us to uh, one of the big announcements for the week, a game that I have played multiple times and will play once it releases in the fall. That is Tony Hawk 1 and 2 HD Ultimate Collection. Dude, 
This is dope. And the original soundtracks to mm-hmm. it, too. Awesome. And I think there's like six skaters that are in there from like the original one. But I want to say this just once. Okay. That it's going to kind of take away from Tony Hawk. But we want Skate 4, man. I don't want Tony Hawk. I want a new skate. I see. You're more of a skate. You're, you're a skate guy. Skate 4. Yes, 100%. I just remember like some of the Tony Hawk missions were kind of just bogus, but like, well, this is old Tony Hawk, so maybe that will help. Maybe this will bring it back to something that you might like a little bit more. Like with old Tony Hawk that I remember, it's more like score challenges versus kind of like, uh, I think like the casual skating yeah. sort of environment. Yeah, I think like Tony Hawk, like once you got into like the thug era, that's when it got like you had to do like weird remissions, where like the mm-hmm. first two Tony Hawk was like. There's like, there's like three points, there's three or four like skill challenges. It was collecting all the skate, kind of like uh, letters scattered throughout. And then mm-hmm. it's like grinding, it's like grinding on something that's really hard to find or something that's like super high up that you had to like get like the perfect. Wall, wall. ride to yeah. jump, to grind. Yeah, to get off. So it's more like trick, trick high score base versus kind of like the sillier stuff that was happening like post Tony Hawk 4 but here are the skaters that yeah. you can play as Tony Hawk yeah. Bucky Elastic awesome. my favorite skater growing up uh, Jeff Lee Roth Andrew Reynolds Chad Muska Eric Costin another fan favorite another favorite uh, Randy Mueller uh, Kareem Campbell Jamie Thompson and my boy Bobby Burnquist. so a, a great a lineup of uh, skateboards skate, skate, skaters that you can play as they don't have Spider-Man in there, like in the first. Two? You never know, man. They, yeah, it might be. Uh, was that a hitting? That might be a hitting character. So Shrek. I remember Shrek was in it yeah, too. They all might be hidden hidden characters. I think you had to, like beat the game with all the characters to unlock some of the hidden characters. So that could. Yeah, like the eyeball. Yeah. So that that could still uh, still be a uh, still be uh, a possibility to see Spider-Man or the eyeball. I'm I'm all for this like reboot mm-hmm. like update like it's it, I'll probably buy it just for like nostalgic purposes but like the skating games have evolved so much that like I'm not 100% with the Tony Hawk thing again you know what I mean mm-hmm. like I love Skate 3 Skate 3 is probably one of the games that now that we just bring it up that like I could play again or I could just jump into like a free session and just play but like, I don't want to have to like, you know, do like a hundred kick flips and like a revert just to get like a high score or some shit. So you so what skates? What you liked about it was the more realistic approach to skateboarding. Like yeah. the ability, like it is really hard to do a kick flip and then you know grind onto a rail. Like that's super super challenging. It shouldn't be like, okay, I press the X button, I press the square button, I press the triangle button. It's like, that's it. Yeah, I guess I like the challenging aspect to it to where, because like, like I used to skateboard sure. a lot and I loved skateboarding and being able to kind of have that more realistic approach to skateboarding is what I really loved about skate. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, I had a fun playing Tony Hawk and, you know, I've learned a lot about skateboarding then too, but it, it was fun just to be able to kind of do the impossible. Yeah. But then you kind of bring it back to like real life and it's kind of more normal and what I'm used to because I 
was doing it at the time. So I think that's what really drew me to skate. And yeah, the Tony Hawk one, man, I, I, I if I could be like completely honest, like I'll probably only play it like once or twice and then call it. So okay, don't worry. There's uh, many skateboarding games coming out this year. Uh, coming out in July, 2020, coming out pretty soon in July, there's Skater XL. Yeah. With that game, I think you'll like that game a little bit more because you use the two sticks. You use the right stick for your right foot and the left stick for your left foot. Yeah. So that I think that comes a little bit closer to what the, what the skate mechanics were. Dude, it's so fascinating to see like the evolution of just skateboarding games and like the way the controller layout is. Prime example, Tony Hawk is just like down, left, right, B, and you do the 900 mm-hmm. or whatever. And then like skate really is the right stick controlling it all. And now with skater, what is it, XL or Skater whatever, XL, yep. It's it's both. And it's like you really, it's, it's going to be harder for you to do tricks and to kind of time things out perfectly, which I'm super excited for, man. That challenge sounds awesome. And it's like I kind of have a background mm-hmm. in it. So hopefully, like I can kind of pick it up quicker, which would be awesome. But the challenge sounds super cool too. Yeah, and then the next one, another game that'll be for Xbox One is uh, Sessions. <laughs> was that supposed to come? Uh, which is that supposed to come out? Uh, Sessions. Wasn't there already a game called Sessions or Session? Maybe. I think it was a skateboarding yeah, game. Yeah, Sessions. For the, place, for the PS1, yeah. Maybe it was, but yeah, I guess they, they guess you could have the same name twice. Reboot. Reboot. Yeah, but Sessions is another game that's supposed to be closer to uh, the skates style of gaming. So yeah, there's a lot of them. And then if you wait all until 2021, there's Skatebird, which is the game. That's the one I was just going to bring up right now. I'm like, oh, I thought you were going to say Skatebird, dude, and I'm... St- I'm going to cop that too. <laughs> so like skateboarding games are making a, a comeback with uh, these four games coming out within like, let's say the next 12 to 16 months. So there'll be plenty of great skateboarding games to play, which is nice. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really excited that they had some of like the core characters from, you know, Tony Hawk coming back and I don't know if they're adding like new characters to it, but those were pretty great. Like Jeff Raleigh, Jamie Thompson, Eric Austin, mm-hmm the characters that like I love to pick in the game too so is that how you got into skateboarding was like it was, was a, Tony Hawk any reason you got into skateboarding and I was like post I don't I think Tony Hawk kind of helped with it too but a lot of people in like my like friend range were skateboarding so like kind of just picked it up through that too but like yeah the days you can't skate you jump on Tony Hawk and the skateboarding never fades, you know, and you just keep doing it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Like, just trying to beat levels, and I wonder how fast people could beat it these days, you know? Because I'm sure you could, like, if you really tried, you could probably beat that thing in, like, maybe a day, less than a day. Give it a nice speed trial run, but I don't think it was, like, a heavy influence, but it was always there just kind of helped me like know people and like other tricks and stuff. But I was but like then at that time, dude, like I was, I would get the magazines. I was really into like trans world skate, Thrasher. Thrasher and stuff like that. Yeah. How about the music? Oh, I think it definitely really impacted the music impacted me more than the skateboarding. I think cool. well, uh, listening uh, to Tony Hawk's pro skater Two soundtrack with like rage against the machine mm-hmm. and like, 
public enemy and stuff like that really let me know that there's a lot out there you know definitely yeah there's a lot of yeah this, i would just out yeah this the yeah this soundtrack definitely opened up my mind to uh like funk music in general and then hip-hop kind of like more like indie, indie hip-hop or just hip-hop in general so yeah it was a uh, the legacy of Tony Hawk, I feel like it's uh, twofold. It's like the game itself and like brought like skateboarding to people who might not be familiar with skateboarding, like skate culture, the shoes, the gear, the deck. It's obviously mm-hmm. still very popular today. And then obviously the music with, uh, like you said, Rage or the Dead Kennedys or Primus or Naughty by Nature or Public Enemy. There's like, it just opened up your mind to like different styles of music and such. Yeah, that's, I think, a lot of people were influenced by the music, too. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think who else is in that. Like, it's just, I saw this thing on IGN, like, post Tony Hawk, like, Underground 2, like, the game just went to shit. Oh, like, <laughs> review-wise? Yeah, like, I saw that the last Tony Hawk got, like, a 3.8, which is, like, the reason why, like, I don't know if this game will satisfy the needs of like the gamers that are trying to get it like yeah if you can get it for nostalgic reasons but I don't know if the games were actually that good you know like they were fun and challenging but it's very repetitive mm-hmm. it's true and at that time I think we were fine with that you you bring up a really interesting question is a game that's when again that's probably a, couple, a, de- a decade plus old that, like yeah. does those mechanics still hold up to now like more modern gaming yeah, I think because like we're so used to like doing the most when it comes to gaming mm-hmm. that like you simplify that as like, is it worth the time? That's yeah, sort of thing. I mean, it'll be fun to find out once it's uh, released in the fall. It's a in September, right? Yes, September. Yes, you are correct. I believe it is September. September fourth on pl- PlayStation nice. Four, Pro, Xbox One, and One X. So you're set. Shred City, dude. But also on the topic of what's releasing in the next few months, the Nintendo Switch dropped a bomb. What was it two days ago? Yesterday? A couple of days ago, yep. It's yesterday. They are releasing Paper Mario. And I'm hyped, man. This looks awesome. I'm super, super excited to get that. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, this was great news. Yeah, like as a Nintendo fan, I'm like I was wondering like what games are going to be released pretty soon. Like Animal Crossing was released a few months ago, and obviously that's kind of taken over the world as being a very popular game. But then after that, there wasn't a lot to look forward to as a as a Switch game, or a lot of games were unknown. So it's nice to know that at least we got this uh, this game coming in July, which is really exciting. And yeah, I'm, I'm like a, I'm a fan of Paper Mario itself, so I'm excited to play a kind of a different type of Mario. Like Mario is mostly used to being like a platform, 2D or more like 3D open world platform, like Odyssey. But Paper Mario adds in a lot of uh, RPG elements, turn-based RPG elements. So it's a fun change of pace for Mario, and being in this kind of Mario universe is is interesting that way. And I like the kind of the paper style. It kind of reminds me of a game that came out for PlayStation 3 and the Vita called uh, Tearaway. So I'm looking forward to uh, exploring the uh, Paper Mario Kingdom once it's released in July. 
Nice, dude. What you would it's also really cool about this is like it kind of reminds me of like a 2D versus 3D mm-hmm. sort of thing because like you have the paper Mario, like the original style is like that flat paper. Mm-hmm. And then you introduce like origami, which is obviously still paper, but it's like more complex. And it kind of gives it like a whole new shape. So it's like flat versus I, I don't I don't know what to call it. <laughs> but like it just it looks like it like it's a nice clash of styles. You know what I mean? And like especially for a game like Paper Mario, I think that's like a perfect way to kind of bring the two together in like a a nice Nintendo way, mm-hmm. you know? Hi. But what, what, one of the things that I was thinking about too is like if they're like this came like we had like some news about it, but we never really got any confirmation. I'm hopeful for what Nintendo's gonna do in the fall. So hopefully, like this is like a sneak peek because like they're releasing Mario games because of the anniversary. So it's like, will we get Mario sixty four in the fall? Sort of thing. So that is the rumor, and like yeah, with this being true. You're, you got to be hopeful that the other rumor is true that there's going to be uh, HD remastered of uh, 64, Galaxy, and Sunshine. So that'll be a killer thing for Nintendo to have for the fall, especially when they're competing against like a new PlayStation 5 and a new Xbox. You know, having its tried and true franchise Mario, and with all the nostalgic feelings people have about 64 galaxy and sunshine i think that's a a good thing for nintendo switch fans to have as if they're not able to afford or want to purchase a xbox or a playstation they'll still be able to enjoy mario and have that nostalgic feel of playing 64 again i know it's probably like a lot to ask for Mm -hmm. but what would be super surprising is if nintendo did like a their pro version with like Mario 64 or something like that. Ooh, that that would be special. Just like a combo to take on, you know, the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, you know? That would be a real nice surprise. And that would really sell systems if, like, you only could play 60, you only could play 64 with this new console only. That would be a, that would be an instant system seller on pars with, like, Xbox has Halo and PlayStation has Horizon 2 and stuff. So that would be a real system seller. If that was the case. Which is, yeah, which is a little side note. I think they confirmed Halo Infinite for the Xbox in the fall. Ooh. Or in the holiday season. So. Xbox came to flame and they're not messing around. They are, um, I, I, I'm, I'm obviously team Xbox, obviously. I didn't mean to say obviously twice, but um, I'm going to get an Xbox when it mm-hmm. comes out. But PlayStation's been very quiet. Yes. And I, I'm not concerned, but I wonder when they're going to start dropping news and it's just going to blow like Xbox out of the water sort of thing where it's like, oh, that's funny, but take a look at X, Y, and Z. And then it's just like shatters the internet. That's a real. So um, we'll see what PlayStation has up their sleeve, but. Yeah, that's a, a big topic for like another day, but yeah, it will be interesting to see what PlayStation could do in the future because right now Xbox has everything you kind of hope for in a next-gen system. It's backwards compatibility. It has Game Pass, so it means all first-party titles are free if you own Game Pass. So Halo, the new Forza, the new Fables, that's all free. Uh, they, invested in, uh, f- uh, they invested in their first party, 
So they have Ninja Theory, which allows you to get the new Hellblade too. They invested in uh, Obsidian, the makers of Outer Worlds. So whatever the next game Obsidian made will be exclusively to Xbox. So like, yeah, Xbox seems to be checking all the boxes to be very successful for the fall and, and for the future. So with PlayStation, I'm not as being a PlayStation fan and trying to see what they could do. My only, the only trump card I always, the only trump card I imagine PlayStation has currently is uh, their first party exclusives. But as Xbox gets more first party exclusives that are bangers, it becomes a, a less of a point for PlayStation. So looks like I, Xbox Would, is really moving towards the uh, future in a bright, in a bright position. Just a quick question while we try to like kind of make this a shorter episode yep. but would a first like exclusive game take you out of like hardware and accessories like that yes like, the reason i buy the reason i buy systems is for the first party like the reason i own bought a switch is for zelda and mario so like if you know the xbox obviously gives you access to all those games from the mm-hmm. start backwards compatibility and that kind of not i don't want to say that means nothing to you but that still won't sell you on it I guess versus like a game for a system like Last of Us 2 for example which I know you're you're close to that game and you really enjoyed the first one so that would kind of like be like well I don't care if the system isn't as powerful I just want to play that game that's correct yeah that's like the one thing that like I'm waiting for Xbox to, to have is like get me a game that like oh my god that's an incredible game and I only could play it on Xbox like super mega baseball for me, <laughs> dude. <laughs> like, I just have the like I just have the new game former game informer I haven't read it yet but on the cover it's an Xbox exclusive called Grounded which is kind of like that Ooh. Honey I Shrunk the Kid game I just heard about that. Dude. So I'm I'm going to read about that game, and if that game, as I read about, it, I get like, oh my, this game seems like really incredible. Then that's, that's so that slowly but surely like pushed me towards Xbox. You just have to write ants, and you know, I just was talking about Honey I Shrunk the Kids the other day too, which is funny. And then I heard about the game. But cool, man. I think that that's a pretty solid episode. I agree. Got some pretty good topics in there and, you know, we'll wait for the next episode to kind of talk more in depth about like the councils and stuff like that, which we know it's getting a lot of like coverage and who knows, maybe PlayStation will drop some news from now until the next episode. So have to have our hands full with the councils. We are the council boys, you know. Um, yeah. Any final news updates or anything like that that you can think of? Uh, no, the last kind of news update was for like being on Team Xbox. Xbox did have a third-party showcase uh, a, few, a week or so ago, and it showed a lot of games that are coming out for uh, Xbox for their new system, Series X. And a lot of the games at least looked interesting. I'm glad that they're getting the Yakuza games, which are like the, the mm-hmm. Japanese GTA, so I'm excited that those are being on Xbox or so for Xbox fans to be able to play those games because those games are Definitely. super popular amongst many people. So I'm glad that they are getting, getting uh, cool Which, franchises onto their system. Definitely. And like they showed some more, obviously like assassins, but Xbox was getting a lot of heat for that just because like there was really no gameplay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it was just like trailers, but they started releasing more information about that. Like that medium game, 
it's all like there's no loading involved in that game either and you can transfer worlds and the game will just be able to run smoothly with the xbox but i was looking for more gameplay out of it but i am interested in like that turok looking oh game, yeah the so. planet one that's like the, yeah you get dropped onto yeah. a planet and it's like you have to survive like against these like murderous raptors yeah that was that was an interesting yes, game that looks wild and i'm I, like I said, I wish I got more like actual gameplay to mm-hmm. it, but it obviously kept the interest there. And you know that Scorn game looks really weird and wild, but we'll wait to see. No, there were some good ones. There's a one that I can't remember the title, but it kind of had like a a Star Fox kind of like Star Fox Star Wars type feel to it that looked interesting. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember off the top of my head. But that was. I remember There's seeing the game. And I was like, "Well, oh, that's interesting." So, like the games they'd shown, there's always like there's always like at least some interest into it. So I think maybe not all these games are gonna like set the world on fire, but I think all these games had at least some interest, or at least had some aspect of the game that made it interesting and give it a shot, which is good because you need like. I think the issue is sometimes is like you might show ten games. And nine games don't really hit you, but if one does, then I think you're like you're in the right position. I think that's all it that, takes, man. It's just that one game. Because you have to appeal to like millions and millions of Xbox fans. So if that one game was the Raptor game, where you're like on this dinosaur planet Raptor game, but nothing else will, that would at least entice you to say, "Oh, let me check out Xbox. I could play the Raptor game on this Xbox." And I think that's all Xbox kind of needs. I think that's what, what any system kind of needs to do is they have like one or two games that are exclusive or at least tied to that system that make you be like, okay, I want to buy the Xbox because I'm going to buy the Raptor game and Yakuza looks cool or that scoring game looks cool. So I think once, so I think in that sense, I found it to be successful minus the fact that all oh, you're right, there was just a lot of uh, trailers and no gameplay. Yeah, and that's like another thing we can talk about like on the next episode or something is like, like I said, if you do have only one game to go to a like a console for, like Last of Us 2, for example, mm-hmm. and like that's it. You know what I mean? Like, well, then you have like Xbox where like you have like your variety. Like, yeah, they might not be like the best games, but you can be like, all right, I played the dinosaur one. Let me try this one and kind of like get more of a variety versus just like a single serving, mm-hmm. you know? It like reminds me of like a buffet versus like like a five star restaurant know, like a, or something. Yeah, or something like that where you just get one thing when you have like options. But that is a topic for another episode, my friend. Yes. Well, Mikey B, it's been a blast. Yes, it has. Another episode in the books. Do you wanna give us your oh, I gotta do the socials. Yeah, yeah, you gotta find a, you gotta hit him up <laughs> or where to find us and such. Yeah, man. It's been feels like it's been a long time since we've done the podcast. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you guys need to follow us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at the Gaming Council Podcast. Uh Twitter is the Gaming Council One. And for all things podcast, gamingcouncilpod.com. I've been joined with the homie Mikey B. Incubus dropped a new EP. It's pretty good. You should check it out. Nice call. I'm Josh, and the console boys are out. Peace. Peace.